right. Good morning, Journey Church. How are you guys doing? Hey, my name is Daniel, and I serve as one of the pastors here. A special welcome to any of you guys joining us online. Thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us, and thank you guys for being here with us here uh, in the room. Uh, we are finishing up Making Change today, so it's been an incredible first four weeks, and I hope it's been a blessing to you guys, and I hope more than hearing a series on finances that hopefully you've heard a series about our walk with Jesus and our walk with God, and hopefully you've walked away each week knowing there's some areas that you can change that won't just help you handle finances better, but areas that you can change that will improve your relationship and your walk with God. Now, we've based those around, up to this point, four things that we wanted you to know, and we're going to add one this week, so five things we want you to walk away with at the end of this series knowing, and the first one is this, is that less is more. And we live in a world that wouldn't necessarily agree with this. We live in a world that teaches us that more is more, and the more stuff that you get, the better off you must be doing. The bigger house you have, the nicer car, the more toys, uh, the more vacations that you can go on, that more is more. But truthfully, what we discovered was that more actually increases the amount of stress in our lives, and it isn't necessarily always a good thing. That's why Solomon... Uh, in his wisdom said, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls uh, with the toil and chasing after the wind. So first off, we learned that less is more. Second, we learned that stress is bad. And I don't think that's something that I have to convince you of, right? Who has had any kind of stress this past week? Go ahead, raise your hand. Don't lie. Some of you should be stressed right now because you're lying and you're lying in church, and so you should be a little stressed about it. Stress is bad, right? It creates literally physical issues that you have to deal with. So there's some physical aspects to stress that is bad, and then it distracts us from the things that are most important. So we learned that stress was bad. We learned that giving is good, that actually giving of the things that God is giving us, using those to be a blessing into someone else, that's a good thing. And in fact, Scripture said this in the book of Acts. It says, you should remember the words... Of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And then Pastor Mike taught us last week that tomorrow matters, that actually the things that we are doing today are seeds that we are planting in the ground, and tomorrow, if you will, we will harvest those things. So the actions of today will bring about the results of tomorrow. And we're going to end the series today by looking at the fact that our legacy is permanent. And today we want to talk to you guys about how to leave a godly legacy. And we're all leaving a a legacy, right? Everyone is leaving a legacy. There is something that we're all leaving behind when we breathe our last. There are things that people will say about us. And being a pastor, I've done my fair share of funerals. and, And each funeral is a little different They each kind of have their own unique feel to them, depending on who it is that you're remembering or honoring at each service. And there are actually funerals where people are upbeat and they're laughing and they're talking about the life that the person had lived. And they're talking about maybe some funny things that they did or stuff that that they stood for. And it's kind of a light feel of a service. And people certainly are sad, but it's generally someone who has lived a full life, and they were a lot of fun to be around, and people are just remembering what a good life it was that they lived. There, there are other times where you're at funerals, and it feels like the person really never got a chance to live life. And so people are sad, and, and there's a heaviness to those services where people are mourning the shortness of life or the brevity of the person's life or the suddenly, or the suddenness at, at which they're 
life ended. But then there's services, and I hope maybe you've never had a chance to be at one of these. There are services that aren't light or heavy. They're just kind of void of emotion altogether. And people don't really know what to say. And the people are there to honor the family and to let them know that they love one. But the truth of the matter is... uh, they didn't really care about the person that had passed away and people don't have anything to share. And those services are brief and they're short. And to be honest, as a pastor, they're awkward because the family doesn't know what to say. The guests doesn't know what to say. And the only option that we have as a pastor is at that point, we can point those people toward Jesus and sometimes they're short on purpose, but the truth is all of us will be remembered in one of those three ways also, won't we? People will gather at a service, and they'll talk about the life that you lived. And they will say, hey, you know John, he he was always, and they'll tell stories about you. They'll go, hey, do you remember, you remember that one time that, that Billy did this? Y'all remember that? Y'all remember, man, he was crazy, wasn't he? He really, he had a lot of fun in life. Or, or hopefully family is around. They're like, man, you know what? It was always obvious that he loved us. Regardless of anything else in life, we always knew that dad loved us, or we knew that granddad loved us. But the memories get shorter and shorter as time goes on. And people will sit around at holidays and, and they'll talk about you after you're gone. You do it, don't you? You do it with family members that have passed on and hopefully gone to walk with Jesus. You, you do it. You have conversations about them. We gather at Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of my grandparents are deceased at this point and we talk about them. We go, hey, y'all remember that time we were at Thanksgiving and granddaddy did what it was normally something blowing up or something crazy happening. Do you guys remember it? Y'all remember, you remember what that happened? But as years have gone on, it gets shorter and shorter. And a guy named Karen Newhoff says this. He says that eventually our legacy will be one or two sentences. At some point, people will remember me after I'm gone and they say, hey, you remember Daniel? You remember him? That was a funny guy. Hey, Pass the cranberry sauce, right? Like that, that'll be it. Like we'll be down to one or two sentences. So I don't want to depress you this morning, but I want you to know that will probably be the case for all of us in this room, that at some point we'll be remembered by just a couple of sentences. So I want you to give serious thought this morning to what will people say about you? What will your legacy be? When people are sharing that one or two or three sentences about your life, what is it that they will say? And we will all end up with a legacy, but few of us will end up with one on purpose, right? We just don't think about it. We don't think about the decisions that we're making. We don't think about the impact that they're having. We don't think about the impact that we want to have after our life here on earth is actually complete. We just kind of wake up one day and we are who we are, right? Well, I don't know. I just, I kind of have always had anger problems. That's, that's just who I am. I've always been a workaholic. You know, my dad was a workaholic too, and I just got it from him. That's what we do. We just work. That's what us Bridgemans do. We're workers. We work. That's what we're, we're known for. I don't know how we got there. We just ended, we ended up there. They go, hey, he's always been goofy, right? That's, that's just who I am. He'll take anything serious. Well, it's just always who I've been, and we just end up somewhere on accident. Well, today I want you to know that you can choose what kind of legacy you want to live, that it doesn't have to be an accident, that the choice is yours, that you choose how you want people to remember you and the impact even that you want to have after your life here is over. I have a friend by the name of Jay, and some of you guys may know Jay. Jay served here 
at Journey as the worship pastor for uh, about 10 years. And I didn't know Jay when he was here, but I actually met Jay when we were serving uh, at another church together. And we worked together for uh, about six months to a year. And then Jay actually came on staff of a campus that, that I was leading and became the worship pastor there. And we spent time together every single day. And Jay is... He is fun, and he is energetic, and he is constantly telling you stories that make you laugh. And 99% of the time, they are stories about him and about something he's done that just really didn't turn out too good. Like Jay tried to jump through a plate glass window one time and just bounce off of it, landed landed on the floor. He's like, people just standing over top of him, like, what, what were you trying to do? But Jay told me a story about a time he was here at Journey, and he was supposed to be picking up kids from camp, in North Carolina. And so Jay left that morning with the church van. He got up, he got early, he made sure that the gas was in there, and he took off. Well, Pastor Mike called him about two hours into his trip, just check on him. He said, Jay, I'm just checking on you. You want to know how things are going? Just see what kind of time you're making, everything all right with the van? Jay goes, absolutely, man. I'm about 50 miles from Mobile. (laughs) The kids were in North Carolina. Pastor Mike goes, Jay, how did you end up in South Alabama? And Jay's answer was, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Look, we laugh, and I laugh every time I see him, I bring something like that up to him. We laugh about things like that, but I bet if someone asked you how you ended up where you are at life right now, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. You got, I just, I don't, this is kind of the way that things played out. And I'm here to let you know, you don't always have to go with the flow, that you have a huge part to play in how your life turns out, and you have a tremendous role to play in what your legacy will be when this life is finally over. And so here's what I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to leave a kingdom-minded legacy, that when people are sharing those one or two sentences about your life, they will say this, that, hey, you know what? You remember John? You remember him? Man, he loved Jesus, and here's the key. That if you love Jesus and you live for him, all of those other things we want to be remembered for will be impacted. People will say, he loved Jesus, and because of that, he was a great father. He loved Jesus, and because of that, she was a great wife. Right? You got it? It impacts every other area of our life. And so this morning, the overarching truth is this, is that if we will begin to live for the kingdom... Every other thing we want to be remembered for in life will simply take care of itself, or rather, God will take care of that for us. The Bible says this in the book of Psalms. It says, we will not hide these truths from our children. This is about leaving a legacy. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power, and about His mighty wonders. So what if we left a legacy that actually encouraged the generation behind us to have a hunger for God? What if that was the generation that you and I actually left behind? Here's what it means to live for the kingdom or to be kingdom-minded. It means to have an eternal focus. It means that we're not just focused on here and now and getting the things that we want in this life, but we know that every decision and action we make now actually has an impact on eternity, and it means focusing on Christ more than we focus on anything else, that we're going to choose to keep Him first and foremost 
in our life. And when we put Christ in his proper place and the other things will fall into proper order also. The Bible says this about leaving a legacy, also an inheritance. It says good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. Now, hopefully one day you will leave an inheritance of resources to the people that come behind you, right? That, that's a godly thing to do. That generational wealth is something that we have an opportunity to grow here in America. It's a lot, in a lot of ways, it's unique to our time period, and we have an opportunity to literally pass on things to make the next generation's life better than even ours was. We pass things on like that from one generation to another. Uh, my daughter is really excited about us passing on something to her. Now, my wife and I had paid for cars for years, for about six years. We prefer to live that kind of life. Now, I know some of you, when you pay on your car for a month, it's owed, right? You're ready to trade it in and get a new one. Maybe that's your hobby. Maybe that's what you're passionate about. I love having fun cars, but more than having fun cars, I love having paid for cars, right? That's more fun, way more fun. So for years, we had paid for cars, and I'm, I'm flying out to another state out west to do, to do ministry, and my wife calls me as I'm sitting on the plane getting ready to take off, and she tells me, she says, hey, my, my car is dead, like it's gone. The transmission had quit, and it was not worth replacing because, well, that car had been paid for for a long time. It was what many of you guys would affectionately call a piece of junk. And so we're just going to buy a new one. So I say, I don't know what to tell you. I, go buy a new car. Like, pick out a new car. We will buy one. And so a buddy of ours who is a, a car dealer went to look for a car. He found one. We eventually settled on it. I got back home. They delivered the car, I think, that same day. We're receiving the car. We're signing all the paperwork that the guy has brought with him. And our daughter, who at the time is somewhere between the ages of six and seven, walks outside and she looks at the car and she goes, when I turn 16, I want that car. And I went, good, because that's what you're getting, <laughs> right? I want you to remember this. 15 years from now, 10 years from now, when you get this car and it, it's not what it is today, I want you to remember you said this is what you want. And we're going to one day, we're going to pass that on to her. Listen, but it won't mean near as much to her at that point as it meant to us the day that we got it. And I want you to know that's the same with your stuff. Look, I hope you get a lot of stuff that you can pass on. That's great. Pass it on to your families. But it won't mean as much to them as it means to you. And truth be told, a lot of them right now are already planning how they can sell it when you give it to them, right? They're like, you know what, I would a lot rather have the money that that's where, so I can go buy something that I actually want. But we leave stuff like that. That's something we're able to do. We leave an inheritance for people. But I want you to know you leave an inheritance that's not just things. That you leave an inheritance that's greater than any possession that you could ever pass on. And that's who you are. That one day you will pass that on. And the greatest inheritance that you can give your family that comes behind you is a good name. Is a good name. Growing up, I'm the youngest of three. And so I was always known as somebody else's fill in the blank. Right? Someone would see me and they would go, oh, you're Daniel. You're Gene's son. Or they go, you're Daniel. You're Josh's brother. Or, oh, you're Daniel. You're Nathan's brother. Or, oh, you're Daniel, you're Julie's son, who threw rocks at my car the other day, right? You're always known by something else. It should be an honor for people to look at the ones who are coming behind you and go, oh, I know, you're part of, you're part of Billy's family, 
or you're part of Johnny's family, it should be an honor to pass that legacy on to the people who come behind us. So again, hopefully today, that's what we'll get a chance to look at, is how we can pass on an inheritance, not just the things, but a legacy that actually is worth inheriting. So let me ask you this. Are you leaving an inheritance that your family is excited about getting, or are you leaving one that they're excited about getting away from? Because we move forward, we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about this. And Jesus is teaching a sermon. In fact, it's the first sermon that he's taught. It's called the Sermon on the Mount in Scripture. And Jesus is teaching pretty much about how to live a godly life, which will in turn leave a kingdom-minded legacy. And in that, he shares a portion that ties in directly to the things that we've been teaching the last five weeks. Now, this is a large passage, so I'm going to trust you guys to listen In a hurry, Jesus said this. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and the thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness actually is. No one can serve two masters, for he will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your Heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. And so seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. And so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And so a short snippet of a message that Jesus is teaching. And he makes one thing pretty clear. Here's what Jesus is teaching and you can write this down if you're taking notes, he makes it clear that we're not to worry, but we're to trust God and to seek Him above all else. So again, we're not to spend life worrying about the things that we have or the things that we possess or being able to purchase the next great thing, but we focus on Him, and as we focus on Him, He takes care of all of the other things. Don't forget what it said at the end of that passage. He said, don't worry about these things. It's a command from Jesus to you and to me, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of people who don't know Jesus. 
In other words, they don't have someone that they can hope and they can trust in. But we do. Right? We have someone who has promised to meet those needs for us. And so those things don't dominate our thoughts or our lives. But our Heavenly Father already knows all of our needs. And so here's our response. We seek the kingdom of God above all else. That's kingdom-minded. And we live righteously. And He is the one who will give us everything that we need. So with Jesus' teaching in mind and the teaching over the past four weeks, let's look at this. How will you be remembered? And what will your legacy be? How will people remember you and me? I know you've probably already thought about a few things just as we walk through the first part of this message, but I want to walk through just a couple questions that you can answer just for you. You can jot down the answers to these if you want, if you grab the handout on your way in. But these are things for you to think through as you leave here and as you think through what God is teaching you through the rest of the week. So will you be remembered as a giver or a taker? When people look at your life, what would they say? Would they say there's someone who was free with the things that God had given them or there's someone who was always trying to get something from someone else? Will you be remembered as forgiving or as bitter? Are you someone who is quick to forgive? Are you someone who holds on to bitterness and allows that to affect who you are internally? Will you be remembered as hardworking or as lazy? Well, not just by your family. Your family probably thinks you're hardworking because you go to work every day, but do you actually work when you're there, right? How will the people who work with you remember you as someone who is hardworking or someone who didn't put any time or effort into the job that God had given them? Will you be remembered as a person of integrity or a cheater? Are you someone who can be trusted? The Bible puts it simply. Jesus says later, he says, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. That means that people can trust what comes out of your mouth, that they can believe what you're saying and what you're talking about. Will you be remembered as someone of integrity like that? Or you be someone who fudges the truth a little bit? Will you be remembered as life-giving or a gossip? I hope you guys have people in your life who are life-giving, right? You just enjoy being around them. And when you're around them, you leave thinking, I'm a better person. Just, just last week, I had lunch with someone who is that in my life. It's someone who, when I spend 10 or 15 or 20 minutes with them, I leave believing more about myself than I did when I got there. And they're an encourager. They speak the truth, but they do it in such a way that you leave thinking, man, everything I was just challenged to do, I can leave and go do it, right? God has gifted me to accomplish that. Is that you? Will people remember you that way where they go, man, I just love talking to them. I love when we got to go get lunch together. I love when, when we met up for coffee. I love when our families had dinner together, or would the thought be, you know what, every time we got together, I felt like they were sucking the life out of me, right? They're just an energy vampire. I don't want to be around. That's something we have control over, right? That's us. We determine whether or not we're life-giving or whether we're a gossip. How will people remember you? Will you be remembered as being generous or being greedy? Again, back to how we use the things God has given us. And will you be remembered as being kingdom-minded or being worldly. And so ultimately, it comes back to the question, when people are remembering the life of Daniel, will they say he did everything he could to get ahead in life? Or would they be able to say, you know what, he did everything he could to live for Jesus. And the results of him living for Jesus were this, this, 
and this. And the truth of the matter is this. It's what we do today. It's what we do today. Check it out. What we do today is what we will be remembered for. It would be nice if our intentions were what we were remembered for, wouldn't it? I think most of us would want to be the positive aspect of that list that we just went through. We want to be life-giving and we want to be hardworking and we want to be generous and any other positive aspect that you can think to fill in there. That's our intentions. Those are the people that we want to be. But our legacy is built not by what we intend to be, but who we actually are. That's our legacy. It's not who we intend to be, but it's who we actually are on a daily basis. And so who are we? Who are we? Not the who, who do we want to be, but who actually are we? And Pastor Mike touched on this last week. We want to hit on it again today. And if tomorrow matters, so if our legacy matters, if our future matters, if the generations coming behind us matter, then we must change how we live today. And so here's the good news. You all walked in with some sort of legacy already, and you've already left the legacy with certain people, right? We all go through stages of life. There are people that you used to have relationships with that you've grown apart from. Maybe that's because you moved, or maybe you're just in different stages of life now, and you don't have contact with them anymore, and they already remember you a certain way, right? That's why it's so awkward when you leave your hometown to go back, because people there don't know who you are now that you've been gone for 20 years, and they bring up stuff from 20 years ago, right? That's what they do. Hey, man, I remember you were always like, you're like, yeah, no, don't, my kid is here, right? (laughs) Hush, just don't say anything. Just smile and go, it's great to see you, right? They remember, well, you leave that legacy just as you go through life. But here's some good news. It's not too late to change your legacy. It's not too late. Maybe as we walk through this, you thought, you know what, I think that my family will remember me as someone who's angry all the time. It's not too late to change that. It's not. Maybe you thought, you know, my family will remember me as someone who was always overextended and purchasing things that we couldn't afford, and then the grief and the turmoil that followed that. It's not too late to change that legacy. It's not. You walked in and you thought, maybe my family will remember me as the mom who's never satisfied. It's not too late to change that legacy. Whatever your current legacy is, you're still here. And you have a chance to change it from this day forward. And so begin making the steps today to change that legacy and make the commitment saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be someone who leaves a kingdom-minded legacy that when my life is over, my family is going to know above all else that I love Jesus. And here's a few ways that we can do that. So jot these down as we wrap up this morning. Living a life of forgiveness and love will leave a loving legacy. <clears throat> It'll leave a loving legacy. That as we choose to love the people that God has put in our life, then we will leave a legacy of love. And in that, what God has called us to do, He said we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And we're to do what else? We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. So if we're leaving a kingdom magnet legacy, then we're leaving a legacy of love. And I'd say another way to think about this is we should value the people in our life over the possessions in our life. That we choose to love the people in our life more than the things in our lives. We've done a lot of counseling just in uh, the 22 years that God has given me a chance to be in ministry. And and as I've gotten older, and I know I'm still a young guy, but but the older I get, the more people come 
to to me and my wife for marriage advice, and we love giving it. We actually believe marriage ministry is one thing that God has called us to, and so we enjoy investing in other couples, and we love sharing God's wisdom, not ours, into their life. But oftentimes, what comes up is there's there's a there's a, a member of the family, a dad or mom, you fill in blank, however it wants to be. Most of the time, it seems to be the dad, and the wife will say something similar to this: "Well, you just work too much. You're always gone." You're not here when the kids get up. You're not here when the kids go to bed. You're not here to help around the house. And we're grateful for the things that you provide, but it feels like you don't love us, like you don't want to be around us. And generally, the guy will just take it for a little while, and eventually he'll go, I'm just trying to provide for my family. And so you ask a few more probing questions, and generally the conversation will end this way. Well, I just want my family and my kids to have everything I didn't have growing up. I want them to have that. I want my kid to get the hand-me-down clothes from their brother or sister. I don't want them to get the toys that have already been used or played with. I don't want them to have to listen to all their other kids talk about the video games that they got when the one that they have is five years old. I don't want them to have to live that life. I don't want them always riding around in a clunker. I don't want them having to work a job so that they can pay for college. I want them to have everything that I never had. And the truth of the matter is this, is listen, parents. Your kids don't need everything you never had. They need parents. I mean, they need someone who is there to love them and to care for them. And so what if we did that? What if our life changed and all of a sudden the pursuit of our life wasn't about getting more stuff, but it was about loving people? This is about loving people. And our mindset changed and it was, you know what, all this stuff that I do have, now I'm going to use that to show love to other people. And we left a legacy of love. You can change your legacy today simply by choosing to love other people, especially those that God has put in your family. And then living by faith and trusting God leaves a faith legacy. What better to leave your family and the ones who come behind you than a reminder that they can trust God regardless of what situation they find themselves in? That where their life is on a mountaintop or in a valley, that my dad or my mom or my uncle or my aunt taught me that I can trust Jesus. That when things are great and when they're not, that he's there. Third thing, living within our means and giving leaves a stewardship legacy. Simply not trying to be someone we're not, right? Not trying to live above our means. It's what God has given us. We're going to live within that and letting them see that in the midst of that, whether that's great or whether that's little, that in the midst of that, we can do all things through Jesus who gives us strength, right? It's about giving. It's about living It's about making an impact for the kingdom. There's someone in our church we believe is doing a tremendous job of that. Her name is Jonica, and we want you guys to see her story. I guess the first thing I should say so you can kind of get to understand the story is we had people that live next door to us that are part of my village and they love my kids like I do and um, we maybe see them once every six months and they tie into this story a lot but um, with my job I was able to start tithing and it was wonderful and I didn't always do my 10%, but I always did something. And then a couple of Sundays ago, I had just cashed my check on that Friday and I had the cash in my purse. And I 
paid all my bills and done all of that. And then um, I had this one, you know, little envelope saved that I was taking one of my girls to buy um, school uh, uniforms. And she's doing a program this summer where she has to wear uniforms. So that was going to be our shopping money. And I was sitting in church and I kept hearing, because I, I pray about my tithe, like, you know, what, what do you need? Show me the right way. And um, I had actually never in my life tithed this much. And I was nervous. Like, I'm very, I have faith. I, I try my hardest to be faithful, but I was nervous because I told my girls, you know, we're going to go shopping. We're going to do this. And um, I kept hearing, you know, all of it, just all of it. And I was like, okay. So I hate to admit, but I kind of bartered with God a little bit. I was like, okay, I'm going to give you half of it because I need to keep this half. And by the end of the service, when they came around with the baskets, I just threw the whole amount in the envelope and sealed it up. And it was a done deal. And even with faith, I was still nervous um, about what I was going to do and how was I going to shop for school uniforms and stuff like that. But that Monday, on the way to go shopping, we were in the gas station and four stalls over were our neighbors. And they yelled from across the gas station to see the girls. They're like, oh, Palmore family, blah, blah, I want to see the girls. And so we walked over and we were talking to them and one of my girls, you know, told them that we were going to go shopping for her big thing that she's doing this summer. And they said, oh, well, we want to contribute. And they handed me the exact amount to the penny that I tied. And it was such a sign of faithfulness. Like, it was such a sign of, okay, okay, he will always take care of me. And when we went shopping with the money that they had given us, every outfit we bought for her to wear was 50 to 70% off. And so we ended up coming home with more money than we would have um, had we gone the day before. God just took it further than than I ever imagined. And it just helps. It, it just helps with the faithfulness and the just the sheer shock of the exact same amount of money. I wanted to admit the bartering with God because I think we do that and none of us want to admit it. Like I think because this was a lot more than my 10%, you know, but you, know, you hear that little voice and that's <laughs> what you do. Hey, what an incredible testimony, right? <clears throat> Why don't we worry about these things? What we will eat, what we will drink, what we, are, what we will wear, right? We have a Heavenly Father who's promised that He will care for us and He's called us to put His kingdom first and as we do that, He's the one who meets our needs. So we wrap it up here, you guys. One final thought. Living with Jesus is our focus. And that alone is what will leave a kingdom-minded legacy. You can walk out of here today and you can say, I'm changing my legacy. That from today on, my family will know me. Those who come behind me, the people that I work with, the generation that comes after me, they will know that there was a person a man or a woman, a mom or a dad, a brother, a cousin, an uncle, there was someone who loved Jesus and put Him first in everything that they did. You know, the coolest part of Jonathan's story, and we didn't get to include it in the video, was that her kids hopped in the car after that exchange at the gas station. 
And she had an opportunity to share with them what had happened the Sunday before and what God had just done. And I can promise you that that's a, that's a family that will never forget that there is a God who meets our needs. And there is a God that honors us when we honor Him and what He's called us to do. It's a legacy worth remembering. And it's a legacy worth passing on. And I pray that those who come after us will be able to say the same thing. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that you love us, that you care for us. And God, that your desires for us are greater than any desire we could ever have for ourselves. And God, I admit to you this morning, on behalf of myself and on behalf of everyone in this room, that Lord, we tend to wander from you. And we tend to hold on to the things that we have so tightly that we can't receive the things that you want for us. So God, would you forgive us? God, help us to refocus and to live in such a way that our legacy is directly tied to you and to your kingdom. Yes, if you would, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. There are a few things that you can do with today's message, and I want to walk through those with you for just a second, but I want you to to stay in a, in a state that allows God to speak to you. And the first one is this. You can choose to surrender your life to Jesus. Everything we talked about up to this point has been about your actions and the way that you act and the way that you live. But the truth of the matter is this, is that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, He changes who, He changes our heart and our heart changes our actions. It's not just about trying harder, but it's simply about allowing Him to have control of our life. If there's never been a point in your life where you stop to consider your relationship with God through the person of Jesus, then today is the day for that. I want you to know that Jesus came and He died for your sins. The Bible is clear that each of us have sinned. That's you, that's me, that's everyone in this room. We're sinful people. We do things that we know God would not have us to do. And the Bible says the punishment for that is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. And so we come to Him admitting our sin, confessing that that's who we are, but also trusting in the person of Jesus. And if you want to change your life and you want to change your actions, then you start walking with Jesus. You can do that today. This is something between you and God. You can simply say, Lord, today I want to trust you. I know that I'm a sinful person. I ask you to forgive me of those sins. And ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. If you made that decision, we want to know there's several things that you can do, whether you're in the room or whether you're joining us there online. We want to know, we want to celebrate with you, and we want to help you take those next steps. You can text the phrase, my decision to the number 94,000, or if you're here in the room, there's some cards in the seat backs 
in front of you. We'd just love to follow up with you and celebrate uh, what God is doing in your life. But maybe you're here and you made that decision a long time ago. And what Jesus would say to you today is, I just want you to start using the things that I've given you with a kingdom mindset. And your decision today is simply that. I'm just going to start managing the resources that God has given me in such a way that I have an impact on eternity. Look, we can do that as we live. We can even do that as our life is ending. Multiple people have left gifts that impact the kingdom of God for generations after their life. And so I don't know about you, but I know for me and for my family, I want people to know Jesus because I was here even long after I'm gone. So maybe your decision today is, Lord, help me to live my life and manage my resources in such a way that eternity is impacted. Lord, we thank you again that you love us, that you care for us. God, give us the courage to live out this life. God, may it not just be a desire for us, but Lord, may it be proven by our actions. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.